Welcome to Their Very Best, the podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert, professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Waldron Faulkner. And I'm Bill Noto. Thanks for joining us for wild, unsolicited opinions about Led Zeppelin. This is Their Very Best. Sorry, just mixing it up. Well, it's not just Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin Part 2! Right. Is this the first Part 2 we've done? No, we did Morphine Part 2 and had the Morphine guys on. Yeah, and we also had Rolling Stones Part 2. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, we've done a lot of this. We've got a lot of Part 2s to go. We've got many Part 2s to go. So this is... This is the first sequential part two. Right. This is Led Zeppelin IV that goes by many names, and we shall maybe enumerate them, and also Houses of the Holy. And those are the only two albums we're covering in this episode. And it's a classic three by three, in which case we each pick three songs. And you're right. the host. I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the host, but am I really the host? I think maybe you're going to be the host because no, you've, no, already no, you're revealed the host. That you've got a journey to go on. And so... Well, Waldron, turnabout is fair play. When I was the host, you you educated us so well on the blues. (laughs) And while you're the host, I'll try and do my own bit of educating if I can. Okay. Well, here's what I here's what I'm going to say. If you want to have four songs for your picks, I think you should take them. Okay, because I've got a compromised third selection that I love, but I don't have to have it. I've got two songs that I have to have. And so I think maybe I should donate one of your, one of my picks for this journey that you're threatening. I have no idea what you've got in mind. What is the what is the journey? Do I go first or do I well, do you I'm go gonna, first? But classic 3 by 3. I don't want for. I'm going to tell you I've got three songs to talk about. But on one of them I'm also going to talk about five other songs not by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in that I'm in, case... I'm in major violation of the strictures and the accords. I'm almost certain that you're going to pick one of my songs anyway, so let's just yeah, go. Yeah, it's quite, it's just quite likely. Enough I'm talk. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, you get the first pick. Technically, you get the first pick. Oh, okay. So we're, go- we're going to start with... Could you please cue up... Little Richard's Keep It Knockin' off of Good Golly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know where this is going. Keep it knockin', but you can't come in. Keep it knockin', Excellent. Okay, you can pause. Okay. Next, next, please cue up yeah. Something Else by Eddie Cochran. Okay. And I should say, Keep It Knockin' came out in 1957, and Something Else came out in 1959. okay that's great you can stop it there so on uh, keep a knock and the drummer is uh, Charles Connor and on something else the drummer is Earl Palmer and Earl Palmer is like a hugely influential rock drummer all right now we're going to switch gears 
if you're gonna go to Led Zeppelin, I want to play the song I'm that you're gonna to pick. Led, I'm not going to Led Zeppelin yet. You, you will be. You, I will give. I will grant you the the option to do that. Don't worry. Okay. We, right, we okay. have we have three more songs to listen to first. <laughs> so the the next one is Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry, released March 1958. Check out specifically the sound of the guitar. still like this. He's a big fan of this song. Very cool. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, way back up in the woods among the evergreens. Single pickup, Little Distortion. Yeah. Which is my rapper name. <laughs> now, if we listen to this for a little while, there's a piano part. You can hear it in the background. Do you hear the piano? That piano player is Lafayette Leak. Okay, so thank you to Chuck Berry. Now we're going to go over to The Stroll by The Diamonds. Come, let's stroll, stroll across the floor. And this song is, this song is interesting. This one came out again, 1958, same time period. I don't know if you know this song, The Stroll. This generated a huge dance craze called The Stroll. And if you really want to travel in time and get a sense of how much the culture has changed since 1958, you can watch the video that we'll include in the show notes of people doing The Stroll, which is, how is <laughs> quite stayed. What is The Stroll? What's it look like? It's like two people walking down a line of people. <laughs> Like it, you, there's like a line of boys on the right. There's a line of boys on the right and a line of girls on the left. And then the people in the back, the the two farthest down the line, come together yeah. and be in the middle, and then stroll through the sort of <laughs> gauntlet. But this was a huge, a huge dance craze. And now one more thing to listen to is "Who Wrote the Book of Love" by the Monotones. You've done so much homework, Billy. I did a little work on this one. I wonder, wonder who, who, who wrote the book of <laughs> The monotones. Now, this also came out in 1958. Okay, this ends our tour of late 50s music. And Waldron, I now ask you what song am i going to play from led zeppelin at first i thought i knew exactly what it was because follow your instincts just follow your instincts all right let me try queuing up rock and roll hell yeah that drum intro is pretty much the exact same drum intro as from keep a knocking and then once you get to the groove it's pretty much the same groove as the groove from something else and that guitar sound is pretty much the same guitar sound as Johnny Be Good. It's not necessarily the same notes, but... It's uh, in the spirit of the same notes, it's definitely. A, yeah, and if you listen to the lyrics... There you go. Okay. Now, in the second verse, we'll hear another reference. Okay, wow. Yeah. Really pulled it together. 
right? Listen. The Book of Love reference. Right. I'd like to just point out real quick, Billy, I'm sorry to interject, but this is a blues. One for one. 100%. Yeah, so, like, there's so much energy and awesomeness in this song. This was a staple of their live performances. So rocking. The tempo is 172. I hope you don't feel uncomfortable, Waldron. And these are eighth notes at 172, which if you wanted to count it as 16th notes, you could say it's like a more reasonable, what, 86? But if you were counting it that way, then it would be in like quadruple time because the backbeat would be on the and, like one E and a... One e and a, two e and a, three e and a, four e and a, one e and a, two, right? Right. So, Waldron, tell me when we get to two minutes and 17 seconds. At that point, we'll hear a piano part that kicks the energy up one more notch when you didn't think you could get more energy. And that piano player happens to be Ian Stewart, who is the Rolling Stones penis at the time. Yeah, okay, so it's coming. It's at the, it's at the next turn. Like right here, it comes in. Hear it? Yeah. And doesn't that just sound like the keyboard part from Johnny Be Good, too? Yeah. Check out the fill at 235, right here. What you just heard was John Bonham accenting the third eighth note across a couple of bars, which is essentially a quarter note triplet pattern played polyrhythmically across all those other eighth notes and it's just a great example i really admire how bonham can mix those triplet feels in again at different paces and different ways without losing the time in any way and right before the blues turn around he's like master triplet totally he's the master of polyrhythms and like mixing triplets with non-triplets Billy, how did you get into all of this, man? How, is this like you turn on the song Rock and Roll and you're like, oh, I recognize all this 1950s rock? Come on, dude. I wish I could say that. So, like, I remember learning... This is from seeing Stanton Moore do drum clinics and also from going to the Drummers Collective, but that, like, if you're really interested in artists, you should check out what was influencing them and what they were listening to, right? And so, like, what's great about this song as the kickoff for this episode is... This is the music that they were listening to when they were teenagers, right? basically. Yeah. And I'm going to end on this one quiz, which is exactly how long was it since they rock and rolled when they came out with that song? In other words, <laughs> how much time passed between the stroll and who wrote the book of love and then when they came out with rock and roll, Waldron? I'm going to make a guess that it was 13 years. That's really close. We'll give you a passing grade on that. So rock and roll came out in 1971. When most of the band members were 23 years old, Jimmy Page was like 27. He was a few years older than the rest. But just think about that. Most of these folks are 23 years old and that music came out 13 years before. Did you say 13 or 14? I said 13. Oh, so you were exactly right. You're exactly right. Did math. But what I love about it is that like, it seemed like a long time to them. 
13 years, right? And it is it is a long time in terms of like how much more rockin' the music got, right? Like, Well, it sure is. I mean, the difference between the music 10 years ago and the music now versus the difference between the music in 1958 and 1971 or whatever is, is vast. It it's is incredible. Vast so many things changed dramatically in that time frame too. Yeah, I mean, it was- Definitely. I mean, that's, that's why we talk about like the 60s being a kind of cultural revolution, right? Compared to- Right. 2023 to 13 years ago, 2010, like the world is different, but it's not that different. That's all wonderful. What a great little tour of that song. And, you know, I turn on Led Zepp for, should we talk about like what most people call it? What, what did people call it, call it? What did your people call it? My people called it the beggar's album, the beggar album. The beggar, interesting. So like when I first discovered the album, we called it Zoso. Zoso, right? Yeah, we would call yeah. it Zoso also because of yeah. the because it says that on it. It's one of the runes, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think I think like nowadays I just call it Led Zeppelin Four. Right. Some people call it the Untitled Album. I think if you just call it the Stairway to Heaven Album, everybody will know what you mean. Yeah. I think he's not a beggar. I think he's a gleaner. He looks more like one of the gleaners. Right. I think me. you're right because I mean he's not begging. He's just walking around. Was that one of your picks, Walter? No, it wasn't one of my picks because, maybe because I didn't really have all of that reference. Like I would, what I was about to say was, I would just turn on Led Zepp 4 and skip right past rock and roll as being like, okay, whatever. But but now, now that I can hear it all and place it all, I'll yeah. pay closer attention and we'll skip it next time, right? I love it. Well, I've decided against my number three pick and my number four pick. I'm going to go to the number five pick. Oh my God. Billy, I'm doing it because this happens sometimes during the show. Like, I'll get a song into my head and I'll just sort of, I'll have it in my head and I'll be like, I like that one better than the stupid pick that I had. So I'll just skip to it. But the song that I played when I was testing the audio for you, mm. four sticks on that same album. Great choice. I thought you'd like it because of the wild time signature of it. And we say time signature. This isn't going to be like a deep dive like you did, but I'm interested to hear what you think the time signature or signatures are in this thing. Yeah. It's clearly 6-8 during the... pause and then when he plays the lick it's something else yeah so it's a mix of six eight and five eight right but is it or yeah. is it yeah when well, <laughs> you say that what do you say um <laughs> i don't ever hear five i always ever hear either three and two or two and three right when like take five is not in five four to me it's it, it technically is if you count the quarter notes, but like really what it is, is it's a measure that's being shortened by one. And I was wondering if, I'm not 100% sure, like like I said, like this was not one of my picks, so I don't, I didn't study it closely enough, but it kind of feels like it's, feels like 6-8 and then a measure. Of curtailed two, like, two eighth notes and and i guess that would be like 
the two eighth notes from six eight, but it feels like it goes into a different time. I hear those two notes before the measure begins again as being like a two note pickup. to one half of a measure of 6-8, which is technically like, it's definitely 5-8. You could hear it that way, mm. but it's not how I feel it. It's, and it's never how I feel. Like five is almost never how I feel a song in 5-4 or 5-anything. I mean, take five, going back to take five, that is in five. It is in five, but here, let's actually, we can, if you can go on a tour, I can go on a tour too. <laughs> It's three and then two. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I hear you, but do you feel it like that? To me, that's that's kind of arbitrary. Like, 5-8 is the same as a measure of 3-8 and a measure of 2-8. But, like, it does feel like a one-measure phrase. Tell me you don't hear this as a measure of three and then just two or or maybe a curtailed second measure of three. But a curtailed second measure of three is two. Yeah. It's funny when yeah. you say it, it's like they just added one or removed one. Yeah. That's how they changed the time signature when they did that. <laughs> but you don't feel five the way you feel four. You feel three and then you feel two. And, and to me, that's different than feeling five. Uh, it might be because as a drummer... You have like less things to study in terms of melodies and harmonies and you get super into like weird time signature shit because there's like nowhere else to go. In Four Sticks, like I'm looking at the a transcription of it and you know, you have a pickup and then four bars of 5-8 and then a bar of six, two bars of 6-8 and then two bars of 5-8 and then two of 6-8. Right, the, the reason they call it 5-8 in that thing is because they don't want to have to change the time signature every two, every twice in a... <laughs> right, if you call it 5-8, you don't need to change the time signature in um, take five and in this song where we're seeing notated a measure of 5-8. Um, You're hearing... If we actually wrote it the way... I feel it, and I think most people feel it, then you'd be changing time signatures twice per measure, and that's super inconvenient. Because you'd have one of 3-8 and one of 2-8? Like, that would be really weird. It would be hard to notate, but it would. But that's what we feel. That's no. what we feel. Like, some False. of the songs... <laughs> are you telling me that when you listen to Pink Floyd, Money, you hear 7-4? No. Well, instead my, of... And by the way, we're gonna, I'm, I'm, I feel like sort of badly because one of my picks also has crazy time signature action where it it's written as a mix of 7-8 and 4-4, four, four, but it's really in 15-8. Well, that, I guess my point is I don't think that anybody ever feels 15-8 or 7-4 or even 5-4 or 5-8. I think they feel the divisions. I think that really what we want to feel are either fours or half of fours and threes. <laughs> and beyond that, it's all just combinations that switch in the middle. Yeah. And this is where like Led Zeppelin kind of veers a little bit towards prog rock with all this weird time signature stuff. Yeah, I really the, do. The, Maybe the, that's why I, I love you know, them. It's only for some people, not for all. Mm-hmm. 
one thing I want to share about four sticks is that John Bonham played it with two drumsticks in each hand. He literally played it with four sticks. Really? <laughs> well, Christ, now I've got to listen to back again. So you hear a lot of flammy sounds. There's also some sick bass drum action going. Wild, dude. Yeah. Well, Billy, it's your pick now. Now, don't take my song. Because it's their very best. I don't think I'm going to take the one you're, you're going to pick for their very best. Okay. And just to continue our delightful time signature conversation. <laughs> so my second pick is The Ocean off of Houses of the Holy. This one, like the way I learned it was it's in 15-8. And I'll explain. The way it's written is like four, a bar of 4-4 four, four, and then a bar of 7-8. And then it just goes back and forth like that for most of the song. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. One and two and three. There's one eighth note short in this phrase. And what that does is it gives it a sense of even more forward motion because it's like you're expecting it to be two bars of four four, but instead you drop an eighth note on that end of the phrase. And that's what like propels the song forward. It's all very kind of semantics anyway. Or yeah, sure. Again here, I don't feel like it's a dropped eighth note. I feel yeah. like it's the rushed beginning of the next measure. And, you know, from a practical perspective, those are exactly the same things. You yeah. Know, especially when notated. But that's that's kind of the way I feel it. It's like they didn't they didn't have it's not that they skipped the last one. It's they didn't have time for it because they we were into <laughs> something else already. And, and that's kind of also how I feel about four sticks like that last maybe even just one beat is not the end of the other measure it's the pickup to the following yeah measure, right? I, I hear you it's it is kind of semantics i think at some point but i hear what you're saying how about those harmonies dude i know i love it now there's a there's a change coming at the end of this verse where it's going to go from being this weird 15-8 thing to being 12-8 and uh, it's actually like kind of a relief when you get to that so 12-8 you could also write as 4-4 where you're just playing triplets yeah when you get to that you no longer have the skipped eighth note at the end but you also have this triplet feel come in and it's coming after this turnaround I think here we go now you're just like bopping your head along you're like finally like, thank God. You think this is 12-8 instead of like a swung 4-4? Four, four? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. A swung... <laughs> it's the same thing. A swung 4-4 four, four is 12-8. It's not eight. the same. It's the same thing. Like, you're still playing 12 eighth notes. They're either eighth note triplets if you're writing at 4-4, four, four, or they're just 12 eighth notes if you're writing at 12-8. Anyway, that's a bit of a... <laughs> I've been stopping I'll all say over one, your I'll say one last thing. For... Yeah, it's my song. Shush. Okay. One last thing that I'll say is... Uh, 
That was a song we covered in drum school and it was really fun and challenging to do. And it like turned me on that I could try to play Led Zeppelin songs. That is cool. Well, now it's my pick and now we're into the songs that I can't live without. Here we go. I think I might surprise you with this one. Maybe I won't surprise you. I think you probably know me well enough by now. We're going to get into Houses of the Holy here. Uh-huh. And play the song No Quarter. I knew this was... I was going to send this as a prediction. I knew you were going to pick this one. Well, I was like, I mean, it's like psychedelic, it's slow, it's weird, it's so Waldron. It's, it's like very such a Waldron. Waldron pick. This is the other Led Zeppelin song that my band covered. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Leave it to a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds to embark on a seven minute song like you know with that with no regard at all for the audience's comfort <laughs> they liked it because they recognized the song yeah i can tell you that this guitar lick the distorted guitar lick is so fun and satisfying to play i believe it's it. wonderful oh, i believe it That Rhodes piano with tremolo on it. That's a cool, it's a cool effect. Yeah. And Close the door, put out the light. Robert Plant's voice on this thing yeah. is No, they won't be home tonight. It's got something on it. A flanger. Yeah. Snow falls hard, and don't you know? A phaser, something. Yeah. The winds of Thor blowing cold. And <laughs> do you hear the echo and blowing cold? Yeah. More like a Norse mythology lyrics. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Our sound guy loved it when we did this because he had all kinds of effects that he could put on the voice and everywhere else, like on the whole band sometimes, uh, that's you know, cool. which is not the same as everybody working their own effect. He had a great time with it. Wow, that's cool. Oh, thank God. This song's entirely in 4-4. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've mentioned this before, like when we played covers, we would always try to play them note for note and it was because like mostly we we didn't play covers mostly we played originals so we felt like we can get away with you know doing note for note covers we have to get to the piano solo and then the amazing guitar solo mm. which is another i don't know why we kept on trying to cover led zeppelin because there was a ton of Jimmy Page guitar stuff that I couldn't <laughs> was, play exactly well, it was right. hard. I'm sure if it was hard. If you play, I can tell you this though. Whereas I'm not sure I ever got away with uh, that lick in Good Times, Bad Times. Yeah, If yeah. you take this sort of jazz inspired, I'll call it, guitar solo that Jimmy Page is about to play, and then you sort of hit some of the phrases and some of the right moments, nobody's going to know because nobody knows this <laughs> guitar solo, <laughs> note for note. Uh-huh. 
That's a cool. That's a cool pick, Wadron. Hold on. Listen to the guitar sound. Notice there's now a 16th note feel in the drums, by the way, for the solo. Doubles it up, huh? Yeah. That solo's out there enough that if you just hit some of the right sounds and fill in the rest with an improv thing, nobody's going to know. It's good enough. I'm glad Did you, you have the song. effects? Did you put on some... Other oh, yeah, effects. dude. Yeah. I had I had a <laughs> one of our big breaks. We we opened for this one band in Virginia, and we thought it was like okay, big time now that we're opening for these guys, well-known local band. And and the I was setting up in front of this guy was such a dick. I was setting up my stuff, <laughs> and he came over and he he looked at like all of my pedals. Like I had like I think this was not when I had the two different wawas and the vo- the volume pedal, but. You know, clearly I had like five or six different effects and like pedals all over the place and, you know, clickers <laughs> and so on. Because the more pedals you have, the better guitarist you are. <laughs> well, I think that this was clearly like, you know, the what he thought was that, you know, the more pedals you have, you're just proving that you don't know what you're doing and you're relying a lot on, on this stuff and not on your own playing, which is not at all untrue. You know, like uh, <laughs> pe- people totally use effects like that. And maybe I was one of them. But, you know, I can't play no quarter, a yeah. perfect no for no, no quarter without a lot of different effects. <laughs> but the other thing I remember about this guy was I had a new guitar and it was a beautiful and I still own it. It's a Gibson ES Artist, which is a very, it's fancy. It's got everything's fancy on it. And I, I got it cheap because I was working at the guitar shop. But, and, and all I would do is like make sure that this thing was gleaming right and I would polish the guitar all the time especially before like our big show this guy walked up saw me like polishing the thing and he just walked up what he did was he put a thumbprint right on like the fat part of my guitar it was just like <laughs> thunk with his thumb to, with big greasy old thumbprint guy was a total dick <laughs> no quarter that was not it was not kind he gave you no quarter right he gave us no quarter he gave me no quarter at all now billy what we're into your last pick now we're into my last pick and okay well this is no good because you're gonna take you're gonna take my i don't know if i am there honestly there are many choices here it's not easy if you think it's easy no it's easy good for you Good for you. <laughs> this pick is the easy, for me. It's totally easy. Well, so, it's okay. also easy for you. You show me. I'll tell you. Show me. Tell me. So it's hard for me not to pick "Over the Hills and Far Away." Oh right, <laughs> because I love that song, and we covered it, and it was so much fun putting it together and doing right. it. And that I that was fun. And I also think it's like an amazing song with all of these different intricacies and parts. So I feel like that's what I'm going to pick. And I feel like you're going to pick when the levee breaks or, oh, right. right? Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, of course, you're not going to pick Stairway to Heaven because that's the pedestrian pick, but <laughs> we should probably like end the episode with Stairway to Heaven. That's my thoughts. It's the iconic choice, right? But for my pick, I'm going to pick Over the Hills and Far Away. It starts with a single acoustic guitar. 
I know exactly the arrangement because we recreated it. <laughs> we'll have to include a link to our YouTube of oh my gosh, a pandemic recreation of this. Oh, Will Harris is in that too. Will Harris, fan of the show, very what about best. Gene, Gene Faraday is in it. Gene Faraday is in it. My cousin Francesco Crescenzi. Now we've got another guitar, including a 12 string. Josh Kennedy, former electric guitarist from Space Cake, is in it. <laughs> <laughs> former shipmate from Sea Semester, John, plays drums in it with me. We have like an electric drums and acoustic drums. Got the love I need. Maybe more than enough. I think I need to, or you probably need to explain what this was, though. Yeah, so like during the pandemic, like multiple people were putting out these videos of people playing music where it looked like a Zoom call. And I wanted to like really recreate the feeling of being on a Zoom call, but having us perform this song. And so that's what we did. Is that what you were thinking of? Or were you thinking of something else? This song is just so happening. I, I mean, I love all the parts. Oh, Isaiah Singer played bass for us. I, I can't do the song justice. I clearly didn't do the same amount of research for this one as I did for rock and roll. I was really honored that you allowed me to participate in this thing. I gotta tell you, like, I had a really, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a hard time playing this. I do remember. You did, you know, you did great. It was okay. It was, it was not my best work. And, and again, it's me trying to play Jimmy Page stuff. I mean, apparently... Oh, maybe this is the time for my quiz. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear the quiz. The quiz is very simple. You have to predict where Jimmy Page is going to end up in the Their Very Best Guitarists Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Not where he'll end up, but where he's about to be placed. Enshrined at this time... I'll give you a review of the guitarists in the top. Yeah, tell me who the top five are. Okay, Jeff Beck is number one. Jimi yep. Hendrix is number two. Yeah. Mark Knopfler is number three. Yeah. Good guitarist. Andy Summers, number four. I've got Lowell George in number five because he's amazing. And then Pete Townsend, six. I'm, a, yeah, I'm already good. I think you're going to put him in at two. That's false. <laughs> that's where i would put him i actually You'd put him behind jimmy yeah maybe you're right maybe i sh you know what i'm gonna i would have said false but um i think i need to give it to you i think probably i think probably he is a better guitarist than Jimi hendrix like i know that that's sacrilege for a lot of guitar people but i mean he had he had like longer to play too yeah like he didn't die he didn't die it's for one thing yeah, but I can play a lot of Jimi Hendrix stuff, and apparently I can't play any uh, Jimmy Page stuff, so... I love the quiz. Okay, good. All right, yeah. I mean, you <laughs> you started false, you and then you talked me into a true. <laughs> good. Man, I feel, I feel very persuasive right now. I yeah. love it. Well, are you going to try to talk me out of my number one pick? Not, no, not at all. I think it's a great pick.
Okay, before we play it, we have to talk about what's going on. And it's weird that it's my pick because you need to talk about it because it's, you know, this is a drummer's song. 100%. I think it's the number one first song in the Beast Learn to Play Drum list. Oh, cool. Every time she's like, what song should I do for my uh, recital? And I'm like, you think it's time for When the Levee Breaks? And (laughs) she always says no. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because the actual part is totally within her within her range as a right. you know someone who's only been playing drums for a couple of years it's not an incredibly complex part to play right but it's it's an incredibly complex part to recreate because of the uh conditions in which it was recorded there's this tremendous reverberation and echo because they recorded it like in a stairwell Right. So there was this really weird echo that was going on. They had like multiple multiple mics set up so that they could record it that way. They had an analog echo machine also adding to the echo. Right. And so it's a pretty simple pattern on the drums, but it sounds so amazing because of all of that reverberation and echo that they had sort of happening acoustically naturally and also embellished with like more echo effects. I would put it that way. Let's listen. So we're going to listen for that bass drum and it sounds like it's hitting it a second time, but it's actually an echo or a reverb here. And sometimes when he played it live, he would actually play those extra notes. Those drum sounds, if you said, okay, make a drum kit a sampled drum kit and what are the sounds you would want i would choose these sounds every time this sloshy hi-hat noise the bass drum is so low the snare is all low i just love these sounds for drums yeah it does sound amazing if i don't have a better idea this is the kind of sound i'll look for right it's a great sound. They sound amazing. The other thing that we can talk about is, <laughs> it's this is it, you think it's a blues? It's actually not a blues. It's bluesy and it's got a delta blues feel to it. But yeah, there's no four and five like we were talking about in the last episode. It, they instead it's like a flat six and then a flat seven and then they go to the root. You know when huh. they turn it around. The original song was not written by Led Zeppelin. It was written by um, bluesman Kansas Joe McCoy, yeah. huh. 1929. Huh. But he wrote it and sang it as a blues. Wow. It's not a 12-bar blues, right? But <laughs> the thing that I really wanted to talk about is, listen to the guitar lick here. That's that flat three to the root sound that we were talking about when we were talking about talk talk. Huh. And flat three is the characteristic note from a minor chord. So like you listen to this and you think you think you're listening to a, a minor key song, right? But at the beginning, the harp, and it's harp, man. Yeah. It hits major 
third notes. And one of the characteristics about blues are these so-called blue notes. You've heard of blue note, the label, and the blue note. Yeah. The, but a blue note is, what it is is, and it comes from the African influence of uh, black America. These are notes that aren't like well-tempered against our 12-tone system. They, they are notes that you hit sort of between them. I don't know if you've ever heard like, and this song does it, and, and so does that other song I was talking about, Desire, the Talk Talk song. It's the minor third, but then it'll bend up a little bit from there. Not all the way to the major third. It bends like a microtone up. And these are notes that go between the notes. I think of it especially with the third. People say they happen like at the fifth and at the seventh also. And this has those, but so like the harp here. He's doing those bends in there. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons harp is such a bluesy instrument is because you can like hit that flat third and bend it up into a major third. Hmm. That's very cool. It's super cool. There's just another thing that's happening in the song, which is just that the drums really follow the guitar right here. Do you hear how those hits are like right in sync right, with the yeah, melody? Yeah. And that that's actually kind of part of the signature of Led Zeppelin. Is where Bonham and Page are so tightly coordinated. It's in a number of their songs, <laughs> but you can hear it in nice effect here. The only other thing I want to say about the drums is just they're like totally laid back and like patient until the end of the song when it's just like the tide crests and all hell breaks loose. Right. The levee breaks and here comes the water. The levee breaks. Exactly. And uh, it's wild. You feel like he's behind the beat? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Is that what's giving it the laid back feel? He's just behind the Yeah. And also I just think there's like just restraint in terms of what the part is. It's pretty... It's not a lot of notes. I think the levee might be breaking. It's gonna break. Yeah, I think it's gonna break. <laughs> the other thing about it is just how amazing the, the very end of it is. You'll remember it. It's got these weird, wonderful, echoey guitar, yeah, seemingly unintended noises that, as somebody who's tried hard sometimes to recreate unintended noises, <laughs> I can tell you they aren't always as unintended as they, as they do something weird with the mix here. Um, everything yeah. floats to the, the voice floats to the middle and the guitars and other stuff float outside. Somebody's going ham on the pan. Here, let me play you the very last sounds of it. Ah, oh, that was so fun. 
One other thing I want to say about these albums is um, it's not just a, a couple of songs thrown together. Like the order of the songs matters. Strongly recommend listening to both of the albums front to back. And and if you're short on time, start on side two of Led Zeppelin IV. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> In my opinion. Do you think there's any chance we can get uh, Jimmy Page or Robert Plant to come on and be a guest of their very best for like a final review? I think f- after, after yeah. episode three of our series. Definitely we should do that. I hear that uh, Amy Mann's manager is the same as uh, the Jimmy Page <laughs> and Robert Plant manager. So I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty you think sure you can that get him after maybe after Amy Mann comes on and they know, OK, these guys can be trusted. We've already done morphine. We've already had morphine on at that time. I was like, OK, floodgates are going to open. We're going to get all of the stars. So, Waldron, is it decided for Led Zeppelin? Led Zeppelin 4 and Houses of the Holy? It's totally decided, Billy. And I kind of arranged it so that I'd be able to proclaim for this episode. Because When the Levee Breaks is my call for all-time their very best Led what? Zeppelin song. You can't, you can't even say that yet. Like, that's going to be episode 6 of this series. It's the best of Led Zepp four and Houses of the Holy by a large margin. Actually, in the next episode, there will be songs to challenge it. So I'm not too worried about like giving it away or whatever, because I've got I've got thoughts. I've got ideas about those other albums, too. And of those two albums, which is the better album in Waldron's view? Led Zeppelin 4. I, I thought maybe I'd have a problem with Houses of the Holy, like finding anything on it that I, I loved. But there are, I mean, it's got no quarter and uh, The Ocean is a good song. And there are a couple of others like, yeah, in my list, The Rain Song was going to be my number three pick. But yeah, I was like, great song. if I'm also doing no quarter, I can't have like two long, epic, meandering, yeah. um, Waldron yeah, yeah. compositions in a row. So I went four <laughs> sticks instead. So, Waljin, one call to action today. What is it, Billy? I want people to leave us a review. That's it. Please leave us a review if you like this podcast and you listen to it. When you do that, other people will be notified that it's a podcast worthy of their time. So we really do appreciate it when you do leave us a review. And thank you to the folks who have. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Super, super helpful. Five stars only. Billy, of the calls to action, what's the one that you find the most satisfying when people do it? Honestly, if I had to choose, I would choose leaving a review. When you leave a review, other people get the benefit of your thoughts as well. Billy, should we do more? Watching, let's do some more of these. We at least have to do one more. So, I think (laughs) they should watch out, don't you? I think they should watch out because we'll be offering at least one more unsolicited wrong opinion in the near future. I'm Bill. And I'm Waldron. And thanks for listening to Their Very Best. 